Pastor Justin is out of town spending time with loved ones, uh, and uh, but he can't make it, so here I am. Um, I'll try not to drop anything. I brought my Bible prop. Um, no, I will read it probably, but I also carry a smaller version in my pocket. Um, well, I, uh, I haven't had a, a lot of uh, a warning um, kids. See, I'm not the paid professional. All you kids, what does it say? All you cheering, get out of here. We love all the cheering. They're going to go upstairs where it's warm. Yay, kids love running up the stairs. That's great. Thank you for all the children watchers. I love you, Paula. Anyway. Um, uh, it's been a busy week. Anybody, anybody had Christmas this week? Anybody? Anybody? Or Happy Hanukkah, if that applies. Um, so it's, it's been busy, so I haven't really, I haven't really de- devoted a lot of time. I've got papers here, but these are just things I printed out from before because there's a couple of scriptures I want to remember. Um, so I haven't really gotten organized, but that's okay. Uh, I think what the Holy Spirit really wants to do is to just help me uh, share out of my heart instead of getting all nervous and fumbling through papers and trying to figure out the specific outline of what I'm trying to do. Um, because really, dependency on the Holy Spirit is kind of the theme of what I really want to talk about. Um, so, with that in mind, let's pray, because I would love to invite him to just pull up alongside and, and plug into my, my brain. Uh, so let's pray. God, we just love you so much. We thank you, Father, for sending the Comforter. Jesus, you said when you go, it would be better for us, it would be beneficial for us that you go so that you could send the Comforter, that you could send another helper, one that's omnipresent and all over, not in the finite world that you were when you were in your physical body. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for being the representation and the connection that we have to the heart of God. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that that you're the presence of God in our life and you're the presence of God in the earth. And we thank you that you give us a direct pipeline to the heart of the Father for us to know and uh, that we know the thoughts and desires of intents of his heart. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. We thank you for your revelation that you are the one that will explain and bring to mind those things that we've been taught, the things that have been sown in our heart. And we thank you that your power is upon the word to make it bring forth life and change. So uh, we just love you. We thank you, Jesus, for making a way for us to step into this life. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping guide us through this life, this joyful time that we have, this joyful life that we have, this more abundant life that we have. Uh, So we, we just bless you. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, <clears throat> it's a shame that when I do that, you have to hear it. Wow. Um, how many of you ever watched Winnie the Pooh? You know, so Winnie the Pooh sat down on his log, 
I was thinking in the most, being a bear of very little brain. Can you hear me? Am I not loud enough? Is that better? Am I making funny noises? Winnie the Pooh sits there and he thinks in the most thoughtful way he could think, being a bear of very little brain. Um, but thank God for the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit is who took a fisherman like Peter and turned him into an evangelist. Peter the chicken, like I said before, Peter the chicken became Peter the evangelist. Um, and it was the Holy Spirit that impacted Saul um, after, after Jesus knocked him off his horse. Um, and uh, in fact, that is a good scripture that I want to read again. You know, I, I, my heart kind of has pretty much the same theme most of the time, which is why when I speak, um, I, a lot of times I go back to the same things. There's, there's a comfort zone of some scriptures that just are uh, life to me. Um, I'd like to take a, another peek again at Acts 9. Um, wow, this doesn't have red letters on it. Oh, there it is. Um, you guys know the story, right? Jesus uh, said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He said, who are you, Lord? And he said, uh, this is verse 5. He said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. It's hard for you to kick against the fricks. And he said, what do you want to do? He said, arise and go to the city and you'll be told. Um, and he spoke to uh, a man named Ananias. Uh, this is down in verse 10 in Damascus. And said to him, Ananias. And he said, behold, here I am, Lord. And in verse 11, the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judah for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And, sorry, this is the King James one. And, and he's seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. So Ananias answered, uh, I've heard about this guy. He goes around persecuting the saints. You know, really? Um... And he has authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on your name. Verse 15, but the Lord said, go your way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show, I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name. So verse 17, Ananias went his way, entered the house, putting his hands on him. He said, brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee, in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes, as it had been, scales, and he received sight forthwith, forthwith, and arose and was baptized. Um, this, this is a... This is something I've just been chewing on for probably a couple of years. Um, one of the nights we were talking in, uh, in here in Simple Gospel, and, and Buddy was talking about the foundation of the Word, having that Scripture in you. And there's so much, there's so much that God can can speak to us out of His Word. Um, I shared before how Jesus, when He was a youth, you know, there's the story of Him staying staying behind in the temple, and they lost Him, and He came back and found Him in the temple, and and, uh, and he was um, talking with the scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers there in the temple, and they were amazed. 
at his insight and, and, uh, and the questions that he asked. And, um, Jesus spent a lot of time learning the word, reading the scriptures, I think discovering out of the scriptures who he was. So that uh, storing up all of that knowledge, you know, he was able to quote scriptures. As he went into ministry, he was able to quote scriptures that was uh, reminded to him. Um, but here in the case of Saul, the word tells us about how Saul, um, in one of, the, one of the other letters, Paul talks about he was a Hebrew among Hebrews. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel, the high priest. And, um, you know, he was a, he, he uh, you know, he learned the word as a youth in the temple. And he was, he was, uh, um, he was a radical. I mean, he, he really was, um, we did this last time. What's the word I love? Um, his fervor. Um, dadgummit. Anyway, he was fervent about his love uh, for, for the Lord in, in his way. He, you know, he, he wanted to, to preserve the true faith, and he had letters from the Hebrews, even as it, it was said here, letters from the high priest to chase out the heretics. So he was a heretic hunter. But then... Um, Saul, you could say, the heretic hunter, the devout um, Hebrew, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, it says there fell from his eyes as if it had been scales, and he received sight. And I think this is both physical and spiritual. I think when the Holy Spirit impacted him, it radically changed his view of things. Um, I mean, that's, that's happened to us. I mean, before, before the Holy Spirit really illuminated to us and adjusted our view concerning grace, a lot of us were walking, stumbling along in this viewpoint of having to keep doing CPR on our righteousness so we would not lose it, you know, and so we're always keeping score about uh, keeping the rules. You know, legalism really had a hold on us. I mean, we, we kind of knew mentally, yeah, we're saved, Jesus saved us, he died on the cross and saved us and everything. But at the same time, there was this like this nagging uncertainty that drove us to be, am I doing enough? Am I, doing, am I not doing enough? Am I doing too much of something? You know, there's this worry that if, if I don't continue to massage this thing and do these things that I have to do, I might lose it, as if the blood of Jesus wasn't sufficient. And so, when, so then when the scales fell off of our eyes, concerning grace, we suddenly said, wow, you know, it's for by grace you've been saved through faith. And that, you know, not, not of works, it's the gift of God. And that not of itself, it's the gift of God. Not as a result of works, lest any of us should boast. Like, hey, I'm really living righteously. Like the Pharisees, you know, they stand on the street corner and they stand there and look all righteous. But they're like a corpse inside. Jesus called them like a whited sepulcher, like a grave. You know, they're, they have the appearance of godliness. They're doing all the rules, but their hearts are empty. The God that they talk about that's trying to reach people and love people, they're putting yokes on people. They're putting um, requirements on people, making access to God. It's almost like they're deliberately putting obstacles in the way. You can't get to God until you do these things. And so God was almost unreachable to the common man. You, you, can't, get to, you can't get to God. Um, and so when we understand grace, we understand it's, it's a gift. 
Now, it's, it, it doesn't mean that we're all lazy. I mean, that, that verse continues, uh, you know, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Sure, yeah, there's that. But when we're born again, when we're born into his kingdom, when we're adopted, boom, we're sons. We've got adoption papers. We belong to him. Or in another metaphor, I mean, we, we are reborn, you could say. We have that birth certificate. I mean, he's covering both bases. We're adopted in one sense, and we're just born again, a second sense, as, as Jesus was talking to uh, Nicol- <laughs> yes, I'm say Nickelodeon. Nicodemus. Nick at night, man. You know, Nicodemus visited Jesus at night so nobody would see that he was one of the priest guys talking to this, this scoundrel Jesus. Um, but, uh, yeah, I shouldn't have chased that squirrel. Let me remember where I was. But, but um, we've been made free by grace. And so, so with, Paul, with, with, with Saul here, all of his scripture that he tucked away in his brain was being misinterpreted in light of the truth of God and his love, his nature. And so when the Holy Spirit came upon him, the scales fell off his eyes physically and I believe spiritually. And so just like we said, when, when the Holy Spirit came on Peter, Peter the fisherman, Peter the chicken, because he denied Christ three times, Peter the chicken became Peter the evangelist on the, on the day of Pentecost preaching to a crowd I guess he's over his timidity there. Um, Saul, the persecutor of the church, becomes Paul, who wrote half the New Testament. That's a heck of a switch. And we can see the pivot point was when the Holy Spirit came upon him. The illuminator, the, the one that explains, the one that teaches us. So the value of the Holy Spirit is revelation in our hearts. The understanding of who God is. It's not just understanding about God. It's learning and knowing God. So I should say it's not knowing about God. It's knowing God. God doesn't want to be uh, known about. I mean, we should know about him, certainly. We should know his ways. We should know by reading the word. The word paints that picture for us about his nature. The word paints the picture explaining the promises and the prophecies and how it all blends together. But, um, you know, the early church exploded with growth after the day of Pentecost. But they didn't have the Gospels even. All they had was the Old Testament, the Torah. And it was Jesus who taught out of the Torah. He kept saying, as it is written, blah, blah, blah. You know, like when he was tempted in the desert. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. You know, or um, love. Anyway, so in, in this in this case, uh, I guess the point I'm making is um, the Holy Spirit was the fuel of the expansion of the knowledge of God in the early church, explaining, helping them to explain, for example, to the Jews what the prophecies meant. Uh, and, and Paul, preaching to the Gentiles initially, um, but historically, the first three Gospels weren't even written until about 60 A.D. So what did they do for their first couple of decades after the day of Pentecost? How did, they, how did the church grow so fast? How did, they, um, how did they operate in the knowledge of God you know, without the Gospels? I mean, the Gospel of John, I believe, wasn't even written until like, late, late in his life when John was like 
in his 90s. It was even after the book of Revelation when he wrote the book of John, the Gospel of John. Um, and that was like in like AD 90 or something. You know, so it, it's a challenge when we talk about dependency, dependency on the Holy Spirit and, and dependency on the Word as if they are opposing things and you can only have one or the other. There are, there, are, there, are, there are extremists on both sides. There are people that say, I'm just going to get a word from God, raspberry. You know, or they can do like Jesus at the woman of, uh, Jesus at the, with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Now, you know, he, he said, um, you know, they were talking about water and drawing water and all this kind of stuff. And he said, go call your husband. And she's like, I don't have a husband. And he said, how did he know? He said, that you've spoken truly. I mean, you've had five husbands, and the one you're with now isn't your husband. She's like, Eureka. How did you know that? You know, I, I perceive that you're a man of God. I perceive that you're a prophet. That was Jesus operating under the power of the Holy Spirit with supernatural knowledge. That would be a word of knowledge from God. Now, bear in mind, Jesus was in a physical body, and I don't want to start chopping up on the Trinity and stuff. But let's do remember that when Jesus, when he was baptized in the river Jordan, after himself storing up all that scripture, when he came up out of the water, the heavens opened and the Spirit of God descended upon the Son of God. Okay, so prior to that point, the word does not record Jesus doing any miracles or operating in any kind of supernatural capacity until after Jordan. And the voice of God said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So Jesus operated under the benefit and influence of the Holy Spirit. Okay, It wasn't just the knowledge that he'd stored up. He'd known a lot. Saul wasn't operating just under the knowledge he'd stored up. He had to be converted to receive the Holy Spirit to help him understand it. And boy, did he. Now, Saul, Saul, was, a, Saul was a A student. He was a, you know, the, the utmost of a scholar. So if you've got that kind of raw material to work with, the Holy Spirit can do wonderful things. And so he did. Saul wrote and explained so much in, in the New Testament. Um, but even Peter, when he went to Cornelius' house in Acts 10, let's just run over to there real quick. It's kind of the next page. Um, let me see, where does he start? Um, it's in the Joppa. Uh, let's look at 10.34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Remember, he's standing in the house uh, of Cornelius. Not Jewish, right? But God, sent, God gave him a dream and said, Hey, go get Peter to come up here and explain things to you. Because he was a devout man. He gave alms to the poor. You know. Um, but here's Peter preaching to a Gentile who he had to have an open vision to even to even know to go there. So there's something else that's happening. Peter having a vision supernaturally after the Holy Spirit was on Peter, who was the chicken who became the evangelist. The Holy Spirit does a lot of things, enables a lot of things to happen. So in a vision, he sees, I need you to go to this place. And so it was like supernatural, supernatural revelation. And then there's a knock at the door. But God also did the other side of the equation and told uh, Cornelius to send to get Peter. Cornelius didn't know who Peter was or where he was. Um, so anyway, 
So, Paul's, uh, so Peter's marveling that all this supernatural stuff is happening that demonstrates this must be what God is saying. Gentiles must be okay now. You know, and that's what he says here. He opened his mouth and says, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that fears him and works righteousness is accepted in him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, uh, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Next page, verse 38. What, what did John preach? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we're witnesses of the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hung on a tree. Um, so... We, um, my, my heart for this church, my heart for all people, is for them to, for, for all people to see God as a person. Um, my heart is for us to realize that grace and the salvation we receive because of it um, is, is almost like opening the door and stepping into this, stepping into the room. Um, but Jesus said, you know, in, in, uh, in John 10, 10, I've come that you might have life, and more abundantly. Um, the, uh, you know, so we, we have this life, but then Jesus says, it's good that I go because I'll send the comforter after you, the helper, the help meet. Uh, and so, and then their lives were radically changed. Um, so, so for us, grace, let me put it this way. Let's use a, a metaphor. I love using earthly relationships to try to help us see things through a different lens. Um, imagine grace is like the permit that I have to marry my wife. Okay? And so we become married. The two of us are joined together. We are related. That's an established thing. But it ain't over. That's just the beginning. There's, there's, um, excuse me. I really don't want to burp in the microphone. <laughs> you don't want to go there. It was a really good spiritual moment right there, so I'm sorry that vanished. No. When I marry, when I marry my wife, the marriage ceremony, the, the certificate, um, the establishing of our covenant is just the beginning. The life we have together after that is the main event. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not going to go around and tell everybody, you should try getting married. You can be married. All you need is a license. You, you too can be married. You know, operators are standing by. You too can be married. Congratulations, you're married. And hands off, we walk away. Or do we say... Now that you're married, here's this life. There's this life and more abundantly that God is expecting that we can enjoy. It's not the ending. It's just the beginning. God always wanted fellowship with us. He walked with Adam in the cool of the day. And when sin entered the picture, it broke that relationship. God honestly was brokenhearted. He's like, dang it. I really, he probably said that too. 
I enjoyed the fellowship I had with Adam. I enjoyed the communion. It wasn't just that Adam and he were buds. That they, they actually spoke together. They spent time together. They had relationship together. They shared their heart together. You know, so the fellowship was broken. So what God did is he rescued the relationship. He sent his son to take the sin of the world upon himself so that that barrier, that sin barrier, could be broken. The Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, the earth shook and the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. Now, this is a big, thick sucker, like several feet, I think, multiple layers of heavy material. But it was ripped from top to bottom as if God says, let me out of here. I'm not going to be tucked away in this room anymore. I want to get out and be accessible and access my people. You know, so... So the sacrifice was made to remove the sin obstacle, and now we have entrance to the Father. We've been restored. One of the first songs I ever wrote that nobody's ever heard was, we've been restored unto the Lord. The blood of Jesus has made a way for us to have communion with the Father. So we cry, Abba, Father, our Creator. There's none above. Abba, Father, my Redeemer, you're the one we love. No, I won't sing it like last time. But the point is, the point of Jesus' coming was to restore us to God. Now that we're restored to God, it's like, oh, good, I'm not in trouble anymore. No, it's so much more than that. It's not that we're not in trouble anymore. It's not that we're going to live forever. It's that we need to learn how to have a relationship. God is somebody who wants to be known. You know, It's not that I'm a good Christian, I've got the label, and I'm going to go on with my busy life and completely ignore him. There's, there's a need for us to do one of the most beautiful pictures I remember is my father-in-law. Every morning, he used to sit down on his patio. He'd sit out there in a, in a, a lawn chair out on the patio early in the morning, and, you know, the birds would come around and talk to him and the squirrels and stuff, and he would just sit out there. You know, not really watching the squirrels. He would just sit out there talking to God, you know. And he was one of the most full of the Holy Spirit men I've ever known. Because he spent time with God. Going back to the spouse relationship. You know, we're married, we're good. I need to spend time talking to my wife. Honestly, over the years, we've been like 30 plus years. I really wish I'd have spent a lot more time talking to my wife. You know, there's relationship that needs to be built. And the, the challenge that God's laying before us is I want you to draw near to me. I don't want you to know about me. I want you to know me. How do we know this? Because Jesus said in Matthew 22 that the greatest commandment was to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. And another gospel says, and all your strength. All. I mean, how much is all? It's all. God wants us to, to purposefully dedicate energy and effort towards loving him. Um. It's not just in our mind. We do need wisdom. We do need the word. And in no way am I saying don't read the word. What I'm saying is read it more. Learn, learn about God by reading his word and then say, Holy Spirit, shine your light on this. Help me understand what you're saying. But God wants us to press into a relationship with him. Part of it is just talking to him. You don't have to use King James English. I've already... I've already found that out. Um, part of it is just worshiping him. Um, 
before this crazy year started in, in 2019, I, I worked maybe a couple of miles from here. And in 2019, I felt God just calling me to spend more time with him and um, having a key to the door. Um, I actually spent a lot of lunch hours. I'd come in here, the room is empty, and um, it's a nice place to get. It's a nice place to just come and hide. I would sit on the couch back there, and there's, you guys know I'm not all that spiritual. Okay, I don't have a lot of stained glass in me. Um, I mean, I started off in stained glass, but anyway, I've, I've I've been I've seen the goodness of God, and it's hard for me to 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 see Him as somebody distant. He's up close to us. That how we see God impacts how we feel about ourselves toward him. I've said before, if, if we see God as the creator, and he is, he is our creator, then we just see ourselves as, well, I'm, I'm God's creation. You know, if we see him as, as our redeemer, then we can say, okay, good, I'm redeemed. I'm the, I'm the object of his redemption. Uh, we could even say, you know, God is open and compassionate. I could say that I'm a, I'm a friend of God. You know, I'm good, I'm friends. You know, if I see him as my father, what is that, who am I then? What does that make me? Is a son closer than a friend? Is a son closer than a creation? Jesus said when we pray to say, our father, who's in it, the very first two words in the model prayer is, our father. So if God has made us his sons, there's intimacy, there's connection. I love my sons and my daughter and my daughter <laughs> I, and my daughter. <laughs> God's giving us children. Um, I love my sons. I love and my daughter. Sorry, I'm using this in the generic sense. I love my kids. I love them, and there's a level of closeness that I have with my kids, just like there's a level, a different, a, a different kind of level, but there's a level of closeness I have with my wife. There's closeness that that relationship defines. A son, a daughter, a wife, they, they, we spend time. We get to know their heart. So that's how it is with Father God. I'm God's son. It's incumbent upon me out of just the natural desire that I should have in my heart to draw near to God. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. He's just like, come on, jump. You know, God, God is waiting for us to come close enough that we can talk, that we can commune. Deep calling unto deep, spirit to spirit. God wants to connect with our hearts and not just with our minds. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul, and mind. It's all in there. No area of our life is, is hidden from the relationship or should be hidden from the relationship that we have with him. Um, so, anyway, 10 more minutes. So, let me say this about Holy Spirit. Oh, by the way, it is biblically correct to call him the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit is a proper name. It's, there's a couple of different Greek flips that it does in the New Testament depending on who's talking about it and the role they're talking in. There's some great books about that stuff. But the Holy Spirit, our friend Holy Spirit, um, 
there, there have been, <clears throat> when the Holy Spirit profoundly encounters somebody, which I hope is often for everyone, to have a profound closeness to the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit is every bit God as the Father and the Son. It's the Trinity, coexistent, co-equal. God, Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus said, it's better that I go so I can send the Comforter. The Holy Spirit is not just God's messenger. You know, he's got angels for that also. But the Holy Spirit is not simply God's messenger. The Holy Spirit is God in the Spirit. It's the the spirit of God, the spirit of holiness, the spirit of revelation is all those roles. You know, so the Holy Spirit is just like we want to know Jesus and we want to know the Father's heart. The Holy Spirit is someone that we should desire to know. And how do we get there? I would just start off by saying, Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to me. Help me understand you. You're obviously important because Jesus sent you in his place. So explain yourself to me. In this world, you'll find lots of people that can explain to you what they think is that the Holy Spirit's all about. And they may be right. They might be. Um, one of the precious things I love about this church is we're, such, we're from such diverse backgrounds that for the sake of love, for the sake of love, nobody's pounding one another with dogma. I used to do it back in the good old days, and it was this way. God wants to do something new and fresh and beautiful here. I think that's the reason we are diverse like this. Because who can argue with the fact that God wants us to draw near to him? Who can argue with the fact that God wants us to love him? So I believe as we love God, as we draw near to him, as we seek him out in his word, as we invite the Holy Spirit to reveal all that needs to be revealed to us, that the things that matter will, will, will begin to manifest. You know, some people are terrified of the Holy Spirit because they think they're going to roll around, roll around in the, on the ground speaking in Swahili or something. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if I, if I have a seriously profound encounter with the Holy Spirit and I'm so weak that I can't stand and I start speaking, in, or in Mark, Mark's case, Mark White was speaking Thai, wasn't it? You know, we've heard lots of stories. The Holy Spirit is supernatural. The things that Jesus did, the miracles that he wrought, anyways, the miracles that he performed and that he did were by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we just read in um, Acts 10.38. So my desire for this church is for us to all, in our own private way, private, private devotions, I, I invite you to say, Holy Spirit, help me understand the word, and Holy Spirit, help me understand you. What are you about? You know? And in the privacy of your prayer closet, if you want to speak Swahili, be my guest. I don't care. There's nothing shameful about the Holy Spirit. But by the way, when the Holy Spirit starts doing stuff, they'll make fun of you. I mean, that some people will. Second chapter of Acts, when they poured out of the upper room, they were all babbling in tongues or something. And the people around them mocked them, said, look at them, they're drunk. They're drunk with new wine or something. And it's like, dude, it's only 9 a.m., you know. You know, so people will make fun of manifestations of God. Don't let that stop you. If you in your heart know God is doing something in you, then by all means yield. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve him. Um, certainly there are people that are insecure that love to, uh, some people that, that love to be known as a spiritual person, and they, you know, they, why am I doing this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a sit-down comic. They, 
jazz hands. They, there are there are people that are there that are spiritual people that that like being known as spiritual people and that kind of. There's an insecurity there that we as sons should be getting over with. We as sons are secure in who we are. That's one of the things I love about this church. We've got such a beautiful foundation for God to build something amazing here because nobody's trying to show out and say, I'm more spiritual than you are. If that happens, they're going to have to have a talk with the leadership because <laughs> one, of the aspects of the fruit of the, one of the aspects of the Spirit of God is love, and love incorporates humility. Love incorporates um, gentleness. Uh, if you want prayer with somebody, by all means, get into a little huddle with them, and, and y'all can pray, and God can meet you according to your need, according to your desire. Um, but we're not going to necessarily step into um, the, the practices and habits of any particular thing. Like, we're not going to line everybody up and push you over or something. Uh, Again, I, I don't want to sound like I'm making fun of manifestations of God. If God's in it, has anybody read about the, the Mount of Transfiguration? Jesus took Peter, James, and John up the mountain. They encountered God, and they fell down. Well, wouldn't you in the presence of God? I mean, that's pretty understandable. Um, if God's in it, I'm in it. I, I want it. I just want more of God. I want all that he's got. I'm not going to let a stigma imposed by somebody that we saw on TV. Please don't get your Christian information from TV. The, the problem with television, and this is not at all anybody or everybody on TV, the problem with being on TV is it makes you weird. You know, you gotta pay bills, and you know you gotta get, you gotta raise funds, and like, I just got a word of knowledge that God says there's somebody out there with a thousand dollars, and God's gonna bless you. That's baloney. I'm almost said. <laughs> that's, yeah, baloney. Isn't that the Greek word Justin used? Yeah. But, but the Holy Spirit's a big boy. He can teach you everything you know, need to know about him. Uh, and it's not just everything you need to know about him. He can give you encounters and experiences in your heart. There's nothing like being, like, like the sense of having the Holy Spirit wrap his arms around you and the love of God filling your soul, um, those will be okay, too. Um, so I, I hope I haven't stepped on any toes. My goodness. I just have such love for this church and such a desire to see God just blow this place up with so much love and beauty and glory and power. Um, we've tasted a little bit of this. I mean, we've, we've had miracles... I like talking about the miracles because they're things your eyes can see that testify to the power of God. But there's other things that, that God's doing in hearts. He's breaking people out of a life of depression. He's healing migraines that you can't see. There's a lot of things that God's doing. But let's give credit where credit's due. Let's give glory where glory is due. When God is operating, we give thanks to God for all that he is. Amen. So if you're with me, I want to invite you guys. We're going. No, I'm not going to take them up here. I want to invite you guys to join me as me and my family quest to, in 2021, having escaped the clutches of this year, 2020, okay, I'm old and I make dad jokes, and I hate to say this, but I believe it's 2020 wonderful. I believe the coming year, having survived this, 
is going to be a wonderful season for all of us. Um, I believe God is going to add to us strength. He's going to add to us in numbers. He's going to add to us in finances. He's going to add to us in his presence, in his glory, in his revelation. Okay, so if you're with me on that, say amen. Amen. All right, I thank you guys. Um, I think I'm officially supposed to pray. Is there anything I need to do before we're done? Okay, I will now perform the parting prayer. So, yeah, why don't you stand? I forgot that part. See, I'm no good as a pastor. <laughs> Doggone it. Hey, we tried to warm the place up, but it wasn't working. Uh, let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you so much for who you are and for all the provisions that you've made for our lives. We thank you, Lord, for providing your son to rescue us. And we thank you, Lord, for providing your Holy Spirit to guide us and to open our heart to yours, to commune with you. Uh, Jesus, we thank you for, your, for obeying God and for the joy set before you, God. You endured the cross and you despised its shame. And now you've sat at the right hand of the Father. So we bless you and we thank you, God, three in one. We thank you, God, for all that you've done and all you will do because we know, God, that you're with us. You'll never leave us or forsake us. And so, God, we open our hearts to you to say, speak, Lord, just like Samuel of old, speak, Lord, your servant heareth, even in King James. So we love you, God, and we just give the rest of this year and look forward to the new year that is to come to see your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.